and welcome to the Scottish Football Show. Coming up, Scotland dare to dream. We preview the draw for Euro 2024. Dick pulls out of our broth. And in the Scottish Cup, the Highland Hoops are heading to paradise. We're back after lots of cars, bars and snotomobiles. We're back this week with plenty to catch up on. Uh, we're days away from knowing who Scotland will face in Euro 2024. Dick Campbell lit up a big fat smoky and we've cheerio to our broth. <laughs> and in the fourth round of the Scottish Cup, it's uh, thrown up a few interesting underdog ties, shall we say. So joining me on the podcast this week, he's Melbourne City FC's top dog. Well, head of creative, but he's he's really a care bear. Hello, Finley Marks. <laughs> Hello. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. It's very lovely to see your face, although you covered it half up with your podcast, Mike. That way that footballers cover up their mouths now, you know, when they get into uh, uh, get into chats on the field, it's, it's more just for protection than anything else, Andrew, you know. <laughs> oh, man, I'd love to know how boring those conversations are on the football pitch. <laughs> they have to cover their mouth. But uh, making his debut on the podcast, the doctor of football, Grant Campbell, formerly of Campbell's Football Podcast. Hello, mate. It's been a wee while. In your kitchen, I see. <laughs> Absolutely. Late night tea time here. Um, thanks for inviting me on, Andrew. It's a real privilege to be on the greatest show in Scottish football. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No one has ever said that ever. A funny one, Finn. Grant was mentioned before we started recording. Uh, it's interesting him being on a show where he's actually interviewed two previous contributors of his own podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I That was a lot of fun to do the show with Grant. Uh, that was a good few years ago now, wasn't it, Grant? Yeah, a couple of years, 2021. 21, gosh, yeah, time flies. I think I was still in London when that happened. I think you were, <laughs> yeah. Good times. Let's get into some funnies. And uh, Finn, Gordon Brown has been making the news. Funny news? Uh, not particularly funny, but just it's not proper news, so that's why it goes <laughs> in this section. But um, I, it, it was just ahead of the the Dunfermline Wraith uh, Scottish Cup tie. They they interviewed Gordon Brown, former Prime Minister of the UK, uh, a bit well known uh, Wraith Rovers fan, and it was just nice hearing a politician, I think, talk about football in a way that you're like, mm, he's a real fan I think he genuinely lives and breathes Wraith Rovers and it's just it's uh, it, it was quite nice he had like a, almost like a smile the whole time he was talking about it I think he just really loved they asked him if he wanted to if there was any job in Scottish football that he would want or think he could do and he's like well I don't think I could do it but I would have loved to have been the manager of Wraith Rovers and I was like that's pretty cool like literally at one point the most powerful man in the UK but he'd rather be <laughs> the manager at Starks Park yeah. I thought that was pretty cool What's his name? The head of the, the Scottish Tories. He's a linesman. We've got enough politicians. Douglas in Ross. Douglas Ross. Douglas Ross. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need politicians in football. That'd be much better. Uh, Grant, you got any funnies for me this week? Well, well, I have to give a bit of an acknowledgement to my friend Dave, who sent this on to me on my WhatsApp last week. Um, I was in Madrid when I got this, but I thought this was really, really class. Um, so Duncan Ferguson was on the TalkSport Breakfast Show with Ali McCoist and Alan Brazil, and they were talking about his time as Inverness Cali Thistle manager so far. And one of the things that was really funny was that he could not pronounce Clack McCudden, the Highland League team. Um, he was calling them Clack McCudden. And the great thing about it was Clack Twitter account quote tweeted and found this and said, uh, we are still here, Ali, because Ali thought that he had uh, 
gone into abeyance and they were no longer a team. So he says, they say, Duncan, get down to the Ferry San Siro and we will tell you exactly how to pronounce it. I thought that was just so, so funny. <laughs> That's class. I, I have no real knowledge of Clack and the Cudden beyond, I don't know if you remember back in the day on Sports Sound, I, I can't even remember the, the, the guy's name, but they would have, you know, going through the divisions and all that kind of stuff and Richard Gordon would be emceeing the scores coming in from all over the country. They would always have one report from the Highland League and invariably, it would always be the clack and the cutting game. I think because the guy lived very local to there, so we always ended up going. Yeah. And, and there were these monstrously poetic match reports. It was like full of idioms and cliches. And because he had the Highland accent as well, it just sounded incredibly poetic when he was phoning this in. But that, that's my overriding memory of clack and the cutting was the way that he always shortened it as well. And it'd be like, Bucky Thistle 2, clack 5. And then he'd go into this ripping match report. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the only real memory of clack and the cutting. Big men are up from the back. El Mahani right foot. Whips it. Oh, jeezy peeps, man. Moving on. Kind of sad news this actually, but the fact that Dick Campbell has left our broth is such a sad end to like what a lovely story. After seven years and two promotions, Dick Campbell leaves our broth after they got knocked out of the Scottish Cup by by um, by Spartans. He was actually the longest, second longest serving manager in Scottish football before all of this as well. It's just I don't know. I hope this isn't the end of him managing in Scottish football. He turns 70 this week. Do you think it's maybe reasonable to just think that a man who's got such appetite for the game maybe just decides, nah, maybe maybe enough's enough? I, I mean, it's entirely up to Dick Campbell. I I don't think he'll stay away from the game too long. I think he's just, I mean, he's such a an experienced manager. And like you say, actually quite successful, you know, given that the, the level he's operated at for, for a lot of his managerial career. Um I think it's six promotions he's had as a manager. Yeah. And he's been manager for uh, 36 years or something like that. So it's like a promotion every five or six years. Uh, and he's had a couple more in his role as an assistant as well, because he's not always been, been the outright manager. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just think, I mean, football is such a cyclical game. Sometimes you just get to the end of a run and you just need to freshen things up and... It's, it's a shame because we all remember, I think it was two seasons ago, where our growth were on the cusp of getting up to the top flight. Uh, it was a season where Killy were in would there. Have been incredible. It would It would have been amazing. And just with the squad that they had at that point, that was the time to do it. I, I think, you know, if you miss the opportunity, maybe with a club the size of our growth in the moment, it's difficult to try and repeat that again. And they kind of, they struggled a little bit last season. Yes, yeah, just missed out on relegation. It was yeah, and and this season's not been great either. Their league form's been pretty patchy, pretty rubbish. They've been struggling at the wrong, wrong end of the table. And I mean, a game like the Scottish Cup, the, the Spartans have actually been doing great in in League Two. Um, so I, I I suppose you do call it an upset because of the, the there's two divisions difference yeah. between the clubs, but in terms of where they both are. I don't think there's a huge amount between them. So I think as well, with the the greatest of respect, our growth maybe are a team where League One is maybe more of their level, pushing into the championship maybe every oh, now and again. God, I, yeah. So I think all things considered, you look at the job he's done. It's a magnificent job he's done at our growth. 
and I, I just think it's come to the to the end of its time there. I'm sure he'll be back in the game though. He's just he's too experienced. And he's such a great character as well. Just all the sound yeah. bites and he says what he he says what he he means a lot of the time. Yeah, he's it, it'll be a loss for not just our broad, but for Scottish football. But I'm sure he won't be away too long. I I just think Grant, there's not many football managers in Scotland I can remember who in recent times have made such a massive impact to change the fortunes of a club that were probably struggling in League Two. I think they were sitting bottom of League Two when Dick took charge. Yeah. And had a gates of like four hundred and eight hundred. Now that's up to like two thousand people coming to see yeah. a broth week in, week out. Like that and taking them obviously up to up to the second tier of Scottish football is I, I don't know of anyone who's ever changed the fortunes of a club like that in Scottish football before. It's a, it's a phenomenal story, but it's also a very sad story. You know, I was on the train back from Edinburgh to Aberdeen on, on Saturday night when I saw the news that, that Dick had left. My, my best friend, Gavin, who lives in Hong Kong, is a huge Arbroath fan, and we chat about um, Arbroath on a regular basis. And it feels, as Finn says, the end of an era. I think our bros have been a breath of fresh air. You know, I think Dick Campbell's a real character. You know, the fact he's been on things like Monday Night Club, speaking with Mark Chapman and Dion Dublin, you know, chatting to so many characters of the game. You know, he's been on Sacked in the Morning with Amy Irons, some of the stories that he comes away with. He's just such a character. And, you know, I agree with Finn. I don't think he'll be out of the game. I personally think he should go into a director of football role upstairs, maybe see the, the future of a club maybe in the Angus area. He's always been very much associated with that area. But what he's always been very good at is been getting the best out of players who are part-time players, you know, classic part-time players like Tam O'Brien, Ricky Little, Michael McKenna, you know, David Gold, so many experienced players and just getting every ounce out of those uh, group of players. And they put a breath of fresh air. I mean, they were so close to going up a couple of seasons ago. And I think a lot of people that are both need to understand that where is their level? Surviving in the championship every season has to be an objective. You know, finishing ninth yeah. and saving by the playoffs is a great season for them. But yeah, it's an end of an era. But I really don't know personally where the club go from here. It's, uh, as I said, an end of an era. And the next one is going to be very fascinating to find out. There was a really good article um, on ESPN, actually, ESPN.com, Um but in October, this was where Dick Campbell basically said that he would like to be part of like some succession planning, um, because uh, they rightly pointed out to him he was he was going to reach a thousand league games managed by December this year, which is unbelievable. And he also mentions the fact that uh, he he actually managed against Sir Alex Ferguson's Aberdeen. Uh, in 1983 and he used to call him up all through his career Alex Ferguson who's only a year older than him or something like that or maybe five or six years older than him maybe anyway he calls Dick Campbell's son (laughs) (laughs) which I think is so nice it's dead sweet but a thousand league games managed I just feel like I wonder what's happened there he's a tough guy tough tough guy he's battled kidney cancer he's won that battle he's fought so many more in the football circuit I just wonder why he's decided now's the time but fair play that he's decided rather than yes. the club that's what I feel I feel like he's been the one that's gone do you know what something's not quite right and someone else needs to yeah. needs to step in and, and have another crack at it um, Derek Adams has returned 
to Ross County for a third spell. So a manager has came back to Scottish football, one that Ross County fans know very well. They've had lots of success under him. And interestingly, before the game against Kilmarnock, which ended in a draw, he didn't once mention the word relegation. Um, And a lot of his conversation or his responses were talking about making Ross County a top six team. And I I know you know a lot of the the Highland teams, Grant. Ross County have have got money, but is is top six a reasonable thought for Ross County? And is Derek Adams a good good replacement for for Malky Mackay? I'll, I'll answer this slightly differently. I think where County are at at the moment, the league is very unpredictable because there's not a lot to choose between so many of the clubs right now in the league. You know, everybody from certainly Rangers downwards have been very inconsistent this season. One week you're you're losing four 0 for example, like Samirin at Dundee. Then the next week you're you're being Livingston. I mean, you know, there's so much um, inconsistency there. You know, all it takes is two, three wins and a little bit of momentum. And Ross County could move up that table. You know, Derek Adams is an experienced coach. You know, he's been there on a couple of occasions. He knows the club inside and out. He's got a, an interesting relationship with Roy McGregor, shall we say. Why do you say that? Well, I thought there was maybe a little bit of a falling out there and the, certainly a second spell. I wonder if maybe they've mm. kissed and made up. It'll certainly be interesting to find out how that goes. That's certainly what I'd heard behind the scenes. But I think, with the greatest respect to Ross County, staying in the Premiership is a great season for them. You know, they just survived by the skin of their teeth last season. You know, in my opinion, Partick Thistle threw it away against them in the in mm. the playoff final. And let's not beat about the bush here, fellas. You know, they, they could have been a championship team going into the season. So the fact that they're yeah. still in the Premiership is is a good thing in itself. But they have a good squad of players there. You know, they're a side that, in my opinion, should be doing a little bit better than they are. You've got players like Jordan White who can score goals. I think Ross Laidlaw is a good keeper. I still think they're a very tough nut to crack. And I think the fact that they kept a clean sheet at the weekend is a is a, is a foundational stone for them. But, you know, where is their target? I think if they comfortably survive, I think it's a very good season and their cup run would be a bit of a bonus, personally, in my opinion. Finn, I'd get, like to get your, your thoughts on this. There was a, a... I won't name them, but it was a, a an English social media person who spoke on this Derek Adams leaving, I think it was Markham, uh, to move to the Scottish Premiership and wondering if going from League 2 in England to the Scottish Premiership was the right step in the di- re- step up in direction. Kind of a backhanded slap in the face of Scottish football, thinking that League 2 is on par with the Scottish Premiership. Have you seen this tweet? I, I did, yeah. and You see them all the time and I think you're right not to give kind of any real credence to it because... There's just a, a snootiness around English football fans, I think, especially in the Premier League, but even from below that, where they just they can't see what would ever be an attraction to somebody to go and manage in the top flight of Scottish football compared to the money that's around in the lower leagues of England. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes in playing staff, it, it might be that way. In terms of ability, I mean, how many people have you seen that have been top flight players in Scotland who end up going to play you know in the National League in England because they can make more money down there and things like that but I I think when you're looking at someone like Derek Adams it's somebody who was a player and has obviously had 
uh, previous managerial stints at Ross County. It's a club that means an awful lot to him. I, I think he's a really good manager. When you look at his record as well, I, I remember going to the, the English, um, I think it would have been the League 2 playoff final a number of years ago at Wembley and it was AFC Wimbledon against uh, Plymouth Argyle, oh, yeah. who he was managing at the time. And you look at where Plymouth are now, and obviously he hasn't been the manager for, for a little while, but a lot, like Plymouth are... I think a bit of a sleeping giant in terms of the the size of club and the the area of the country that they are. They've they've been languishing in the lower leagues for decades, um, and he really changed a lot of not just on the field stuff, but was part of off the field culture, changing that and instigating stuff and putting in stuff at a, a, a grassroots level at that club to give them the foundation to then build and try and become. A club that reaches the potential of where they are, and they're—I think they're in a championship now, the English Championship. Mm, yeah, he, so he's—he's a—he's a very, very good manager. Just to go back to your point as well about not mentioning relegation and everything. I mean, it was only a, a couple of seasons ago they did finish in the top six, where everybody was. There was a bit of a shock to everybody, and I think when you look at clubs like St Mirren, you see what is possible. And I completely agree with Grant that, that it's absolute chaos. You know, once you get kind of get below Rangers in the table, there's fewer points between Ross County and Hibs, I think, in fifth than there is between Rangers and Celtic. So it, it, there's so much still to play for. And really interesting, I picked up on the fact that he was quite negative on the the club signing policy recently players on like longer contracts than he would like um and saying that he would he would actually prefer to sign players on six month deals because then you've always got a player playing for a contract and there's a little bit more work ethic involved in that um so i think that's what ross county fans might expect is is a lot more work ethic whereas i think malcolm mckay tried to play football but maybe he didn't have the players to play the football <laughs> if you know what i mean I'm just going to say, Dunfermline fans, Dunfermline, well done tonight. You pumped this, Nathwadoots. Okay, on Saturday we will learn who Scotland are going to face at Euro 2024 in Germany, in Bayern, in Europe, <laughs> as the draw takes place in Hamburg. Scotland are in pot three alongside Netherlands, Croatia, Slovenia, Slovakia and the Czech Republic. And lads, I, I think we need to find out who is your perfect pot? I was really trying to think about this and I think there's there's different types of groups that you can have, right? So in terms of us having the best chance of getting out the group, I think my ideal group would be getting Portugal as the top seed. I know they were unbeaten in, in qualification, but they had an absolute diddy group. Like if you look at who was in their group, it was terrible. And they're basically- I know they were the best team in the whole thing, but you no. know- no, I, th I honestly, I think they're pish, and I think we'd beat them if we got right. them in our group. Uh, I think Portugal are pish. <laughs> you can hold me to that one. I, th I think they'll be ranked at the tournament. Um, Albania, I think, would be good. And then, obviously, the, the kind of playoff path C winner. So that's one of Georgia, Greece, Kazakhstan, or Luxembourg. I think that, as a group, would maybe give us the best chance of getting out. In terms of the best group for the games and the spectacle of it, I don't think I'd mind having Germany as the, the pot one team because I, I just think playing the host team 
in a tournament is always a brilliant occasion and Scotland, Germany Brazil was class in 98 wasn't it like having that was just like a never ending memory yeah well I mean they weren't they weren't the hosting but they were the the World Cup winners at that point and it was the opening game ah sorry yeah yeah, you're right but it's that kind of thing I I mean we played England at year 96 as well they were the host team there and it was the old enemy and just they're just brilliant occasions Um, Romania I think potentially just because I, I think Romania are a good team about not too far off our level they always have a great uh, support I just think that could be interesting a bit of colour uh, great kits as well Romania and then Serbia because I just think a playoff rematch whoa there'd be a bit of needle there so I think that would be my group Germany, Romania, Serbia for like just the spectacle of the groups for, for spe- so you wouldn't choose the current holders Italy in pot four for, for the spectacle aspect <laughs> No, because that's in my my group of death, which is what the group will actually get will be France, Denmark, and Italy. I'm convinced of it. So, <laughs> oh, that'd be horrific. Grant, give us your perfect pot. So, I I'm kind of in agreement with uh, with Finn on Portugal, um, because you know I I think Scotland haven't really had many um, head to heads with Portugal. I think many Scottish fans would like to see us go head to head with Cristiano Ronaldo, Bruno Fernandes. Do you think Portugal are pish? I think they're a funny team. Um, I think they've got some good players, <laughs> but I, I think we could give them a game. I think at the back they can be got at. So I'd probably go with Portugal, but I'd like to see us go head to head against Ronaldo, beat them. That would be that would be very special. But to you know, Romania are a bit of an unknown quantity. I think that would be quite interesting. And pot four, you want one of the playoff winners, though. You certainly want a winner. C, I think, is the one we sort of want. But I, I kind of want Serbia. I want a bit of a, another head-to-head with Serbia. I'd love us to go toe-to-toe with Mitrovic again. I think that would be quite special. My idea of hell is England again. I, I just think England tore us to shreds really? at uh, Hampton. I, I, I have a real fear of England doing well at this Euros. I just have a fear that they're going to Don't we always? <laughs> Don't we always have that fear? I genuinely feel sick about them potentially going all the way. Um, I I I think Hungary are a bit of an unknown quantity as well, but they've got Shobish like Liverpool, who I think is an outstanding player. Very, very tough to stop. And obviously, Italy. And by the way, why are Italy in pot four? You know, the former winners, the recent winners of the Euros, why are they not automatically pot one? It's absolutely ridiculous, boys. It's because they failed to win. Was it four, four, four out of their eight matches they failed to win? So it's all it's all it's all organised in that sort of way of how you finished, and they just weren't they very good, opposite to it... Portugal. So so the way the way Finn looks at it, Italy will probably go on and win the tournament again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I I just think it's ridiculous that if you win a tournament, you can be in the lowest pot. Mm. I think if you're a defending champion, like if you're the Wimbledon champion, you're the first one on opening centre court. You know, Italy should be. The, the defending champions, they should be in pot one. I'm not saying opening the tournament, but they certainly should be in pot one. But I, I want us to massively avoid England and France, obviously, because of Mbappe. Yeah. See, now I'm totally the opposite. I, I would love to have England again. Because <laughs> I, I, any opportunity, and I don't care. I, I don't ever care if we lose to England. Because in the grand scheme of things, you look at their players, you look at our players. If they win, it's like, fine, well, you won. You should win. But if we beat them, and even yeah. if we draw, like we saw in the last Euros, it's just great. It's just brilliant. and Because the build-up's always a laugh as well. I love the build-up to these games. And it, just to have a crack at beating them, which I think we can. I think the friendly was a total, you know, 
throw away. I think we got caught up in the whole occasion too much. Mm. This is a different arena, a different set. And I don't really particularly care who we play um, elsewhere. I'd love, I'd love Germany, same with you, Finn, playing the hosts um, in, in, their, in their country would be amazing. But the likes of, I think, Albania, uh, Grant are an unknown quantity to us as yeah, well. Definitely, I don't think we know what to expect from them. So I'd rather, I'd rather, like, I think we would well, beat Austria. We we did beat Albania, obviously, in the Nations League. So you know we are very capable yeah. of beating them. Um, I Good think point. that's the team that a lot of people will want in pot too. But you know Austria, we we obviously have good uh, memories of them, and, and and obviously Denmark are not particularly in magnificent form. Obviously Northern Ireland just recently beat them, and obviously we. We beat them as well, quite recently as well. Yeah. So I don't think there's any. So are we saying we're going to win this? Basically, I think channeling so. Laura Brandon here. The big thing for me is that the way that the, the the pots have been done. It is peculiar that Italy are so far down. Even Switzerland as well, who are always there and mm. thereabouts in group stages and getting into the knockout rounds of big tournaments. I'm just so thankful, actually, um, and it was an, a, a probably in retrospect amazing foresight from um, Steve Clark for us to draw our last two qualifying games to guarantee pot three so that we would avoid the likes of the <laughs> Netherlands, Croatia and, and Chechia in the in the group stages. So I, it's really clever, actually, when you look at it. Oh, Laura would be skinning you like a, like a <laughs> rabid animal right now listening to that. Because we could have, we, I mean, look, if we'd beaten Spain on the night that my child, number two child, was being born, and I was sitting there on my laptop uh, to try to get a feed of the game. <laughs> if we'd beaten Spain that night, we realistically would have been in pot one. It does it does change, but it, it just isn't the case now. So it doesn't matter mm. uh, looking back on it. It's absolutely fine. Uh, just an interesting kind of to go away from it. Did any of you see that clip of the the Norwegian TV crew utterly <laughs> shiting themselves at the firework <laughs> <laughs> the fireworks kind of pre-planned display happening at Hamden. Did you see this clip? The lads just standing there uh, ready to do like, either like a little rehearsal hit and he just goes... <laughs> you need to show it, Finn. I helvete! Oh! It's fantastic because I've never seen a reaction that over the top <laughs> to, you know, a firework being set off in the background. The guy pretty much sh just shites himself on live TV. It's fantastic. It's so I'd like to, I'd like to think that someone said to him, someone said to him, oh, you're going to Glasgow. It's hard. Oh, you've got to be, it's dangerous in Glasgow. You've got to watch yourself. <laughs> He's just shaking like a shitting dog, man, going to Glasgow. <laughs> Swings it in, it's busy and it's in! And right on the 90th minute, Motherweller level, Jonathan Obika, the scorer, his third goal of the season. Celtic 1, Motherwell 1. Let's do a little uh, run around what happened um, over the weekend. And kind of the, the standout one for me, I'll, I'll start at, at Celtic Park because it was a one all draw with Motherwell. And Celtic fans are, are furious uh, in the unbeaten league campaign so far. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, quite amazing really David Turnbull scoring the eventual goal giving them the lead and then Obika for Motherwell equaliser but the, the, the real big story coming out of the weekend for me was in the Scottish Cup and Bucky Thistle Grant Bucky Thistle drawing Celtic in the Scottish Cup is absolutely amazing the Highland Hoops against Glasgow's Green and White Hoops this is going to be a real big 
moment for the Highlanders. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the clip of the, the yeah. players who obviously were still, still celebrating the, the Broxburn Athletic win, um, which was a remarkable win in itself, considering they were down to 10 men for, for much of the match. And obviously coming back an extra time to, to win that on penalties was just sensational. Listen, it's great for the Highland League, isn't it? I mean, it wasn't that long ago that Fraserburgh played Rangers, who Finn will remember quite well. And, you know, it, it just puts the Highland League on the map. You know, it's it, it's it's great for, for Bucky. You know, Graeme Stewart, the manager, um, has done a fantastic job there. They came so close to winning the league last season, just pit by Beacon City. Mm. And, you know, they're always a very dogged team, very tough to beat in the Highland League, always um, got some very good players. Listen, it's going to be tough going to Celtic. We know that. I think everybody knows that. But this is great for the the sort of longevity of the club, you know, a little bit of money underneath them as well. You know, they'll be very, very good. So, yeah, it's great for them. It's certainly better with the added fact that the, I think Graham Stewart said uh, in an interview there's some diehard Celtic fans uh, in the <laughs> club as well. So, like, to go and play a professional game of football at Celtic Park will be just insane. And we've seen cup upsets plenty of them in the past i mean sorry to mention it grant as well but darville last season it was last season wasn't it against Aberdeen? It season, yeah. yeah yeah well we, we, we i thought Just that amazing. was banned from this discussion <laughs> <laughs> sorry we did i didn't make you sign a waiver or we certainly didn't but even brora being hearts as well you know brora have shown in the past in the highland league that they're very capable as well so you know, I mean, it's 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 a fantastic opportunity for the club, and you know, I just hope they go down there and put on a a show and see what they can do. Because I mean, Celtic have been leading the league this season, and you know, at the moment they deserve to be top of the table. But I don't think they're firing on all cylinders as many people think. So you you, you just never know; anything can happen. In they've the not lost. They've not lost a single I know. game. Uh, well, apart from Kilmarnock in the in the League Cup, of course. But this idea that Celtic aren't firing all cylinders, it's nonsense they've been excellent absolutely excellent they've they've covered players that have left okay it's not been um as good as last season but new management couple of new players and they're still utterly coasting it yeah i'm i'm not i'm not buying it i'm not buying it at all celtic have been brilliant absolutely brilliant this season but weirdly enough celtic celtic this week I, I, well this goes out we'll probably know the result um of the game against lazio but uh they're meeting the pope this week <laughs> how celtic is that have you seen this how quintessentially celtic is that they're off to see the pope which makes me, it reminds me of the time when the dalai lama uh visited aldershot town in england uh, I know this is a Scottish football show, but the Aldershot are are like the the epicenter of um, Buddhism. Buddhi- Buddhism, 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 Buddhisty stuff. Uh, <laughs> and they've got a temple right next to the football grounds, and the Dalai Lama went and visited. So he has an Aldershot town uh, football shirt in his uh, in, in his gaff. So maybe maybe the Pope's going to have a wee Celtic shirt. Other games that actually happened, let's talk about Scottish football. Hibs, five matches unbeaten now um, after they, they, they beat Dundee. Quite a, a good run that they're on now under, under Nick Montgomery uh, Finn. Really good. And I, I, the re- I think the reason why this is such a, an impressive result is uh, I think the Rangers' result aside, Dundee have actually been excellent at Dens Park this season. So yeah. to go there and and to win is impressive. I think they're to going 
to go to Dens Park at the moment and get any kind of result is, is a good result for most teams, but to go there and win is really good. I'd, but this is Nick Montgomery is a, a really good manager. I, and I think I've known about him a little bit previously because being based in Australia and him being the Central Coast manager, I've seen his teams play quite a bit. And I just felt that the it was a really astute appointment by Hibbs because I think the type of football that Hibbs want to play or want to be famous for playing, like quite open and attacking football and being a good place for youngsters to come through, all of that is stuff that, that Nick Montgomery's been demonstrating as Central Coast Mariner for a number of years and really well. So it was kind of no surprise that he's kind of hit the ground running there's been a couple of wobbles here or there but you're always going to get that but by and large yeah he's doing an exceptional job and really starting to get it it, it, Hibs just look so much more cohesive now which I think was the the problem right at the start of the season we mentioned it like defensively they they were at sixes and sevens they just looked a bit of a, a shapeless mess and sometimes it clicked sometimes it didn't and I felt that given time Lee Johnson might be able to find that but obviously they made the call to, to get rid of him. They just felt it wasn't working after a year or so. But the, the way that Nick Montgomery's come in and done that now, they have a set style of play, defined systems, defined roles. And I think that maybe that simplification of certain roles within the team's really working wonders now because everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing in the Hibs team now and it's showing in the results on the pitch. I think that Tavares goal as well was outstanding. Totally agree. And see when you think that he wasn't... I think Will Fish came out and... Um, on loan from Man United and said that Tavares hadn't even, under Lee Johnson, wasn't even training with the first team. He wasn't even changing with the lads in the in the dressing room. And Nick Montgomery has obviously seen something in him to bring him out of that sort of exile. And I don't know why he was in some sort of exile in the first place, because he looks like he's got some serious quality. It's really interesting. Um, Grant, Hearts, 1-0 win over St Johnston. Three wins on the spin for Hearts after St Johnston had kind of shown a little bit of a resurgence, albeit their last three games have been been at home. But Hearts have, have also drawn a really interesting tie in the Scottish Cup. Spartans, a bit of a local mm. derby this one. It's going to be great. And, and another great story in the, the, the run that Spartans are on at the moment in their history. Well, this is what the Scottish Cup can do. You can you can bring out some some tremendous ties. I mean, obviously, you you, you referenced a certain game which we won't talk about again. But you know, <laughs> I think you like you like the look of you know, um, you know, a, a top side like Hearts going away to Spartans and Hearts have lost to lower league opposition in the past, as I mentioned earlier with the with the Brora thing. Listen, I think Hearts are economically going okay. I think Shanklin has been so huge for them this season. Um, you know, without his goals, I think Hearts would be definitely further down the table than they are at the moment. But I, I think it's an interesting one because I'm not really sure where Hearts are at. Are they actually really good or are they not quite that great, but they're just getting by? You know, they were really put in the semi-final of the of the, the League Cup against Rangers. You know, they were really taken apart in that semi-final, I felt. But I think they need more from their midfield. I, I think you can't keep relying on someone like Shanklin for your goals. I think Liam Boyce could do with a goal. I think the boy Oda could maybe do with a goal. I think he's all flashy, but I don't think he offers too much. I think the one negative from the game was the spectacular dive from Vargas in the second half of this game. I mean, it was absolutely extraordinary. I couldn't believe it. But I like Naismith, and I hope he does quite well. Yeah, well, it's interesting with Hearts. Only two defeats in the last seven matches, and I think they've got the third best defence in the division as well. So, I, I, yeah, you're right. Nobody really knows what Hearts could be this season but it 
maybe isn't as bad as we all feel. Uh, St Mirren won Livingston now. Bad times for Livingston, Finn, really. The sixth straight league defeat. And David Martindale has a, a, a mighty hill to climb with his team. I think it's now five games in a row they haven't even scored. So it's it's mean reading for Livy fans. It really is. Uh, and also looking ahead to their Scottish Cup tie, they've been drawn at home to Wraith Rovers, who have been going gangbusters in the championship mm-hmm. um, this season. So I think there's a real possibility for a shock on the cards there. Um, or would it be much of a shock? I don't know. It's it's Again, it's a difficult one. We've been talking earlier on in the podcast about the cyclical nature of football and sometimes managers just take teams as far as they go and you look at how quickly Livingston came up the divisions because they did not have two successive promotions so they kind of all of a sudden Mm, from being a League One side find themselves in the Premiership and then they were really good in the Premiership that first season and I think it was under Holt they'd done quite well and then he left and then Martindale's come in and, and kind of almost taken the step above again got them to two domestic was it two domestic cup finals or at least two of the semi-finals he got to one of the finals. semi-finals I think but they also they also got into the top six as well exactly um, exactly but but two. then is that is that is it just one of those things where like at St Johnston as well maybe you've got a manager who's done an exceptional job taking a club as far as he can go within that cycle and now is it getting to the stage where it's really only kind of on a downhill trajectory, especially for Martindale and Livingston, where Martindale's been so inextricably linked to that club for so many years at yes. all levels. You know, he's he's literally been helping do DIY on the stadium and touch up stuff and all that kind of thing. He's so ingrained in life at Livy. Where, where do you go after that? I think they're in a bit of a, a bind at the moment. I, I, I don't see it changing much, though for the rest of the mm. season you know you're not you're, you're always looking for signs in the way that teams are playing I think January's key January's going to be huge it has I to think, be because yeah. with the new ownership that's coming you hope that there's going to be a little injection of cash and Martindale you know despite not having like a huge upbringing in football clearly has an eye for talent because he's brought some really key players into Livingston players that you wouldn't think would have played at the club beforehand and there's just something being assistant manager previously a lot of people have attributed the success purely to Martindale in in the run that they've had but I think they have to have an injection of transfer cash this January to try and rectify what's happened in the summer because it's something's not working and I always feel that Martindale's has been able to create a really good harmony within within the, the dressing room and it, there's I don't yeah. think it's it's really there because you look at they've always relied on their home comforts in recent years as well mm-hmm. but I think only only four games out of their six home matches they've they've found the back of the net and that's that is just dreadful but we need to move on though because um Aberdeen Rangers on Sunday it's a little bit of a dress rehearsal for the League Cup final later on in December interesting we have an Aberdeen fan and a Rangers fan this is going to be a laugh uh let's not get too stuck into the penalties was it or wasn't it do you think the cup final could be a lot different from from what this game was because I think a lot of people were saying Grant I'll go to you first that Rangers are on a bit of a, a run now uh Aberdeen it's always been hit and miss all season what did you see listen the, the cup final uh, in a few weeks Anything could happen, you know. Cup finals, you know, it's all on the day, and it's it's a cliche, but it always happens. 
I actually have a little bit more positivity about the cup final than I did before the game on Sunday because we were abysmal against Celtic. Shipping three late goals was just simply unacceptable. But I thought the first 45 minutes we went toe-to-toe with Rangers. Um, Certainly the first 15, 20 minutes, I thought we were absolutely superb. You know, I thought Esther Sockler, who came into the team, really provided a great foil for Majofsky, who obviously scores the opening goal. Probably could have been up, possibly 2-0, but we're obviously reliant on a couple of huge saves from Calarus, who I think had his best performance mm. of the season. And I also, to their credit, the, the three centre-backs, I thought, really nullified Rangers in attacking sense. I thought Danilo had very few chances in the game. He had a couple of chances, but I thought overall, I thought the Aberdeen defence marshalled them very well. But I thought second half, Rangers undoubtedly had the better of the play. You know, they hit the bar twice. I thought Tom Lawrence was excellent in the game. I think the change to bring Paul Vara on for Sockler changed the dynamic a little bit and I thought we got too negative. And then obviously, you know, Rangers are pushing for the equaliser and then it's a bit of lazy defending perhaps from Gartman. I mean, you know when there's tugs of the shirts in the box, you see it all the time. And with VAR in the in the, in the game now, you know, it's not going to look favourably. I knew when I saw a replay, I was like, I think this might be given in my heart of hearts. I didn't want it to yeah. be given, but you know what I mean. But I take some hope. I still think Rangers are huge favourites in the final, but anything could happen. Of course, Rangers are huge favourites in the final. I did warn you not to get too stuck into penalties and you referenced <laughs> it very slightly. Um, but, friend, do you think it could be very similar in the League Cup final? I'm not entirely sure because I don't think Philip Comon saw what he wanted from his team in the match on Sunday. Because just going back to what you were saying about Celtic being in great form, I think there has to be something if Rangers are serious about mounting a league challenge because I think the league is is far from over given that Celtic can drop points and they're dropping silly points whereas they wouldn't maybe have done in recent seasons which sounds ridiculous because they've only drawn three matches a season but in terms of previous seasons you ne- they've been near 100% faultless, right? So I think going into the game against Aberdeen it has to be a marker for Rangers to go out and be like, look, we've got, we've been given a guilt-edged chance. You don't expect Celtic to drop points at home. This is a chance to make up two points. And if Rangers at that point, with two games in hand, win them both, the gap's down to three points. You have to put that pressure on your rivals. But the track record that this Rangers team, because it's still predominantly the same nucleus of players that have been there for five or six seasons, is that any time they are given the opportunity to go out and put pressure on Celtic they don't they never come out and I I, I genuinely I was quite shocked at the way that they came out which is that they took as you're saying Grant Aberdeen were the better team I think in the first half and Rangers took half an hour to even get up to speed by which point they were already a goal down and I'm just I find that mentality mind-blowing because if that were me club allegiances inside or whatever if I'm a professional footballer and my team's got the chance to make up ground in a title race I am going out there snapping into tackles I want to be get me out on the pitch right away I'd be chomping at the bit to be out there and trying to assert ourselves get the win keep that momentum going and everything and Rangers just just didn't do that so I find it really peculiar the way set up I don't know if Clement will allow them to go out with that same mentality for a cup final so I wonder if it'll be quite a different Rangers that we see in that game compared to the one that were so sheepish I think in the, in the match against Aberdeen what a way to end the podcast <laughs> my thanks to Finn thank you to Grant what a pleasure it's been to have you 
the debut doctor my pleasure thank you very much very very good uh, if you have enjoyed this you can find us on facebook yes that still exists tiktok twitter or x now i've rambled enough go and listen to something else now goodbye